Hoops Heaven proudly brings to you Basketball Hustle, featuring your host, the writer, Chris Pike, and the scoring machine, Sean Redditch. Now it's time for another episode of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. Hello and welcome to another week of Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle, and, and things are really picking up now in the NBL. We finished this first patch of the season with home and away games, and all of the nine clubs are now heading to Melbourne for the NBL Cup, so we'll get stuck into that here on the show this week. We'll also have, of course, the Tab Touch preview where we'll be joined by Matty Knight. We'll have the Boomerang Best Defensive Player Award with the legend himself, Damian Martin. We'll have an, another update on our Play of the Year Award, thanks to Hoops Heaven with the Scoring Machine. And let's get straight into it. I'm Chris Pike, but that man I mentioned, Sean Redditch, how do we find you this week? I'm still getting uh, stuck into doing some basketball coaching and uh, mm-hmm. had a couple good sessions this week so far. So uh, I'm excited for the uh, NBL Cup to get underway. I mean, it's going to be uh, basketball junkies' dream to be able mm-hmm. to watch two games of NBL most, most days of the week. So uh, fantastic initiative coming up from the NBL. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, an absolute dream for any any basketball fan. So We've got plenty of matches to look forward to, plenty to look ahead to on the show this week, This week, as I mentioned, Sean. But before we look ahead, let's take a look back. So the first five rounds, we've had pretty much a normal home and away season in a lot of ways where we've had every team's now been able to play at least one, one or two games at home. We've seen some teams handle it nicely. Melbourne United obviously sitting pretty. The Laura Hawks are looking pretty, pretty good right now. Um, everyone else has been pretty up and down. New Zealand break is obviously struggling on the road. What have you made of these first five rounds as everyone now prepares for the NBL Cup? I guess one thing that strikes me is how good of coaches we have in the NBL. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at a team like Phoenix get, get done by 31, and then they come back and beat the Wildcats mm. um, by over 20. So you're looking at you know over a 50-point difference, and uh, obviously there's going to be different changes, but seems to be the coaches are able to make those uh, changes and you haven't seen teams, even though they've been playing a lot of back-to-back games against the same team, usually it's been one win and then one loss or one loss and then one win. So, uh, you know, that impresses me that the coaches can figure out and make up, you know, if their team got annihilated and figure out a way to get get their team a win. So that's one of the things I kind of took I wanted to ask you about that, that, Sean. So, So, so far we've had... Eight, eight times over consecutive times where the two teams have played each other in back-to-back games so far this season. And six in six of those eight occasions, the team that lost the first game has won the second game. So do you put a lot of that down to the coaching, the coaches making the adjustments, or what do you put it down to? Well, I think, I think that a lot has to go with that. But I also think you've got to put it down to how competitive the league is. Mm-hmm. You know, you take out... Of that third import, and so it gives those teams that maybe not have the big budgets to be able to go get three really good quality imports. They can spend and get two quality, and then and get some great Australians and, and New Zealand local players as well. So I think it goes down to that a lot, and I think also you know you've got some teams that uh, have been on the road for quite a bit, so they're kind of starting to become road tough. And the fact that they've had to been away for such a long time, they're kind of Binding together and figuring out a way to to play in tough circumstances. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, so after these five rounds, who do you think's best placed as we head into the NBL Cup? Is it 
Is it the obvious answer with Melbourne United, or is there somebody else that stands out to you? Well, I think the Hawks are in a really good position. The fact that mm-hmm. they haven't played many home games. Yep. You know, they've lost a couple games lately um, after after the great start, but I think that they're still coming together as a team, and we know Gorgian will get them firing and, and ready to go um, in the finals as well as you, as you get closer down the stretch. And, and he kind of figures out his lineup. All those guys, a lot of them are brand new to the club, so – you know, I think you, you got to look at the Hawks as being one of those teams that in a, in a good position. I think also it's kind of funny to say it, but I mean, the Wildcats, the fact that they haven't played too many home games, we know mm. generally over the years they have the, the best home record or if not one of the best home records yeah. in the NBL. So th- to me, that gives them a bit of an advantage and probably a little bit unlucky to not have that extra win um, on the on the mislay. Mm-hmm. a few weeks ago so you know if they were three and two they'd be sitting right up there top of the ladder as well so I think that they're probably in a in a good position as well with with so many home games but then you look at a team like Adelaide who's already played eight home games and although yeah. they've got a, a reasonable record they're um, they're gonna have to play a lot of games on the road and, and the road wins are going to be tough to to come by yeah, I think so. What about who's in the most trouble? Is again, is it the obvious answer with the New Zealand Breakers who are, are one and four and and they have no hope at, ahead of going home for the whole season? Or you know, is it the Taipans at two and six? Or or who, who do you think? Yeah, I mean, to me, looking at the Taipans, just the fact that they played so many home games and, and yeah. haven't been able to rack up those wins, it kind of reminds me of two years ago when they kind of started so slow and weren't able to get themselves out of that uh, mm. rut that they were in at the start of the year. I think they're a different team. They're, they're definitely a lot more talented team with Machado and Cam Oliver. Um, but it's going to be one of those things. They're going to have to fight extremely hard to get out of that two and six hole they're in at the moment. It's, I'm not saying that they're not capable of it, especially with the quality of players that they do have. But it's going to be hard. And they're probably going to be one of those teams that needs to have an outstanding NBL Cup. Mm. To kind of get them back into the uh, the fray of things, probably looking if you're playing eight games, six and two is probably what yeah. they kind of need to get themselves back up around the 500 mark and get them in contention to make finals. It's fascinating too because their first two games in the NBL Cup are against the Hawks and Melbourne United, so a lot of pressure on those two games. Yeah, it, it is, and um, you know I'm looking forward to my tips. So there's might be some surprise there mm. with my tips there. So uh, we'll we'll get into that a little bit later in the show. We will. Now there's some big news floating around the league as well. Some teams not afraid to make a splash right now, Sean. And the first one has been at the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. So fresh off the momentum of their their bounce back win over the Perth Wildcats, they. I think they shocked everyone by announcing that they signed Ryan Brokoff for the rest of the season. That is huge news. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're talking about a guy who was playing in the NBA, an NBA-quality shooter, yeah. now coming to team up with the likes of Mitch Creek, Kiefer Sykes. Um, you know, if you're a Melbourne Southeast Melbourne Phoenix fan, you have to be excited about that signing. I mean, to me, he's like a, an upgrade on – a Clint Stondel, just the way he can flat out shoot the basketball, his mm-hmm. high release, and uh, you know his ability to to put the ball in the hole. It's it's something that uh, probably the NBL is as a whole is going to be excited to see, and it's great for a guy who good chance to make the Boomer squad, an yep. NBA player um, coming back uh, to Australia shows the respect that the league has, and 
you know, it's going to make them pretty tough. I think um, it's probably one of those positions that they're, you know, they've, they've got some good shooters, but you know, whenever you can add a quality player like that is, uh, is exciting for, for the Phoenix. And, and I'm excited to see how he kind of works in and, and plays. He's going to be uh, an exciting player in our league. Yeah, it's mass- massive news. We can't wait to see him in action. And the Adelaide 36ers, we talked last week about how they had made the decision to get rid of Donald Sloan. Jeremy Kendall had come in, but as it turns out, he's going to be the short-term replacement for another former NBA player, Brandon Paul, who might not be right to go until maybe the latter stages of the NBL Cup or maybe until after the NBL Cup. But once he arrives, I think he gives the 36ers exactly what they need, somebody who can shoot and someone with a bit of size in that in that wing spot, it's probably probably their weakness right now because their their backcourt with with Sunday Detch and Josh Giddy is okay. The front court with Daniel Johnson and Isaac Humphries is going well, but it's in that middle middle spot that they needed some help. And Brandon Paul should certainly fix that. Yeah, we've got high reps coming on him, and and we talked about this last week. Not we didn't think Kendall was going to be the long term solution. Mm. I'm actually surprised that they announced this so quickly after announcing Kendall's. Signature. I mean, he's only played yeah, one uh, game for yeah. him, um, and he's going but, to continue playing while well, knowing he's going to be replaced any any moment. Yeah, that's uh, to me that's a bit of a, a strange one. And, and announce it before even Kindle had even played his first game. They were saying yeah. that you know they've got an exciting announcement uh, yeah. before their game in Brisbane. So it was uh, you know interesting scenarios. I think it was probably one of those things. It was. It was already agreed upon, and then stuff got out in the media, and so they had to kind of get out on the front foot mm. of it. But, you know, it's probably the right move from the Adelaide 36ers. I don't think if you look at their current squad and you add Jeremy Kendall, that's not going to make them a championship-quality team. But if you add a guy with the resume of Brendan Paul, I think, uh, you know, he could be that one player that kind of puts him over the top. And sometimes that's all you need. You don't, you don't know until he arrives and plays a – a couple games, but I think Adelaide 36ers have given themselves a chance by this signing. And it makes things really interesting in terms of the league because I think based on what we've seen over the first five rounds, it's probably tough to see Melbourne United and the Illawarra Hawk not making the finals from here. All of a sudden, if you've got the Phoenix topped up by Brokoff, you've got the 36ers topped off with Paul, they are both really good chances of making the playoffs. You can never rule out the Wildcats. The Bullets are up and down, but their best is good enough to make it. The Taipans have still got enough talent there to make a run. Gee, making making the playoffs this year is going to be a, a hell of a race. Yeah, I think so. I think the NBL Cup will go a long way till determining who will kind of be in that top four. I don't think it'll be settled by the end of it, but mm. it'll give us a, an understanding of where these these teams are at. And I think also one of the being able to make these moves to me is interesting. I don't know the whole coming in, the quarantine stuff. But every time I hear the news, Mikey, and maybe you can uh, enlighten me on this, but we hear there's 30,000 Australians still waiting to get home. Yeah. How was is, how is Brendan Paul able to get a flight, but 30,000 mm. Australians can't get home? I don't understand it, <laughs> but uh, you know, someone knows someone there in the 36ers be able to get these flights for these, these Americans to get over here. Well, not necessarily. That, that's why it's still potentially a month away until there's going to be any chance of playing because it is going to be tough for him to find a flight. So as you said, I'm just taking Connor Henry's word for this. So when I spoke to him about it, there's usually only three flights a day or every second day coming coming into Australia from overseas. Um, and most of those are, like you said, taken up by from or returning citizens. So that's why it's going to take a, a, quite a while for 
Brandon to actually be able to get into the country because it's going to be tough for him to find a seat on a plane. So, And then he's got the two weeks of quarantine to worry about once he does end up finding a way to the country. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a, a slow process. I think they're going to have to really do some do some juggling to find a spot in the first place because it's going to be tough. And that's why I think it's dangerous to make these moves right now because um, bringing in somebody from outside the country is not, not easy. And it's a lot easier to leave the country right now than to get into it, um, as, as we know. Well, and probably, and let's give credit to the 36ers for making this move early, though. Mm. You know, uh, yeah. figuring out that Donald Sloan wasn't the guy that was going to get them where they needed to be making that move. Because if you wait too long, like you said, Brandon Paul's now a couple of weeks away from actually getting on a plane, then another two yeah. weeks of quarantine, you, you know, he's going to miss a lot of games. So if you wait until the end of the NBL Cup and then try and look for that mm. search for that replacement, I think it's going to be too late. The other thing that'll be interesting, well, this I don't think this will be the last team that Jeremy Kendall plays for this season yeah. either. I mean, once Brandon Paul comes here, I mean, he's – He's an NBL quality player that's waiting around and is in Australia. So if someone needs a, a short-term fix, um, Jeremy Kendall's phone could be uh, lighting up from teams needing a short-term injury fix, I think, um, for the rest of the season. Let's see how that plays out as well. Yeah, that, that's another fascinating point that I hadn't thought of. And I, I agree. I think he's, he's too good of a player to not be playing in the league right now. It's almost a shame he's not hasn't got his citizenship because I think if, he's a, if he had been a citizen, he'd be... He'd be probably a wanted player by all nine nine clubs without even thinking about it. What about it? Does anyone else need to make a move? Do you see any other clubs making any changes in the in the short term? We've got Melbourne United who've still got a second import spot up their sleeve. Do they need to make a move? Do the Perth Wildcats do anything to strengthen their roster? Do you see anything else on the horizon? Look, the only thing that I could see on the horizon might be a guy in Europe, an Australian or a Kiwi that that wants to come home and one of these teams snaps him up, you know, let's say uh, a Nick K decides that, you know, he he doesn't want to play in Europe anymore or something, something to that degree. Mm. I could see, I could see that happening. I mean, I think with the two imports, a lot of these teams do have two pretty good imports, but it'll be, but it also injury concerns. You look at the Sydney Kings and they've got quite a few guys that are injured there as well. So are they able yeah. to kind of go and find someone? How quickly are their guys going to be able to get back out on the court? You know, Melbourne United, you know, Chris Golding, they're saying three to four weeks, but that, you know, potentially puts them out of the entire NBL Cup. So, you know, as, as great a start as, as United have had, I still think there's going to be some games in that NBL Cup where they're not going to be able to have that depth that they would if they – they had Shea Ely and Chris Golding playing, and I think they'll probably pick up a few losses because they won't have that depth when you're playing so many games over a short period of time. Well, would that be an ideal place for Kendall to land, just to give them a backup in that in that guard position? Yeah, potentially, potentially. Yeah. But, I mean, at the moment, you're saying he, he signed with the 36ers, so, and Brendan Paul's yeah. not going to get here till the end of the NBL Cup. So, yeah. um, unless there's other you know, imports running around Australia that we don't know about. I think it's one of those scenarios that, uh, you know, you nod. It's probably looked at it. They just, you know, if they're going to bring someone out here and they got to wait three to four weeks, uh, well, then Chris Golding's back healthy. So mm. it's a it, it's a tough one, and they've had a great start to the year. So I think they're just going to have to play through some of their main guys, and hopefully they, they, they can do enough to, to get them wins um, as soon as this uh, NBL Cup starts. Now, another issue that seems to keep popping up over this first part of the season, Sean, has been 
um, the decals on the on the courts across the league. We've seen a lot of players now come out and and say that they're unhappy with it. The league the league's come out and defended it and said that um, they've been ticked off by FIBA. They're they're the official ones that that are used and. Um, there should be nothing wrong with them. Um, do you see it as an issue? And when you were a player, was was slipping on the stickers on the floor ever ever an issue? Yeah, there, there was a different stadiums. You seem to. I don't think that every decal is the same, and that was, and that's where the probably a league has to come in and say, you know, if you are going to put a decal in, it has to be to this standard. And I'm mm-hmm. sure there are some standards. But it just seemed to me there was the decals were different at different places, and maybe maybe they were the same, but they were just taken care of differently. I don't know, but I think it's one of those things that they got to really tighten up on making sure they are extremely clean, and you know any type of debris has to be taken off of that straight away because I think as soon as you get a little bit of debris, it kind of magnifies. You know, and, and these guys are elite athletes. They're they're trying to cut. They're trying to take off, and they're used to getting that grip on a well polished, clean basketball court. And so, any type of of debris of debris on on these decals just magnifies these slips. And so, I think you know that the cleaning process has to be um, probably upped. In, in, mm-hmm. in ante um, a lot more and even in between quarters get out there sweep it make sure everything is 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 perfect because the last thing you want is a season I mean these guys you know we're getting a Ryan Brokoff coming back from the NBA mm-hmm. I mean he's earning millions of dollars last year and now he, he's coming back in the NBA we want them to feel secure that they're playing on a quality surface and so it's probably just tightening that up and making sure, and I have no doubt that the the player association is, you know, Jacob Holmes is is trying to do the right thing, and and I, hopefully the league is responding to that. Sounds like they are, and, and be yeah. able to make those changes. But um, it, it is it is something that you know I think different different stadiums have different processes of mm. of making sure the court is clean. They just need to clean it up. So when you when you're playing and when you're running up and down the court, can you feel a difference under your feet when you're running on? The normal hardwood, and when you're running over the top of a decal, can you can you feel a difference? Well, there's probably minor minor yeah. differences, um, but it is. I mean, I, I just know on different courts. You know, I, I'm coaching all around Perth, and we're on different courts. Uh, you know, if you get on a court that's kind of that multi-sport surface, yeah. as soon as there's any type of um, dirt or anything, it just you know, kids are just slipping and sliding all over the place. So you, you just take that to a Whereas if you do that on a wood floor that's, you know, got the proper varnish, you can probably get away with it a little bit more. You got a little bit more room for air. But, um, you know, there is a difference. And I think, uh, you know, we've seen a lot in those first couple of games that that they were slipping. Um, Mm. I don't know if it was potentially always the decal's fault, but um, it's probably an easy scapegoat there. But, you know, I do think that there's something to it. It's not that there's, there's nothing to that. I think... You know, there's they just got to make sure that the quality of the decal is is up to the standard that needs to be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Corey Webster's come out this week and said that it's got to a point where you almost can't now drive into the paint, do a turnaround, and you know, it's one of his best moves to get in, get you know, into the key, do a turnaround, and do a fadeaway jump shot. But he he feels like you you can't do that move right now because you can't rely on the traction you'll get from from the court. Um, if if it's that much of a concern, then Maybe maybe there needs to be a solution. I'm not sure what the answer is, but 
Um, if the players are thinking that way about it, it, it might actually affect the way you play your game. Yeah, and that's not what you want to hear when you're uh, when you're a professional um, club or league. Um, mm. The other thing that might we need to look at is what are the shoes they're wearing when yeah, they're slipping? Because sure. I know there's a big difference in variation in shoes out there as well. And um, I just remember some of the my teammates over the years, they'd come in with a new pair of shoes and they'd be slipping and sliding all over the court where everyone else wasn't. So yep. um, I don't know if they've looked at that issue as well, um, but it's something probably that needs to to be addressed um, from all angles and try and come up with a solution that uh, everyone is happy with. You know, it, to take those decals off after it's already been promised, I don't know the perfect solution there, but, you know, the league needs that revenue to be able to pay the players, and, and I'm sure they can be creative with it, but it's something that um, it's probably hard to completely eliminate or address um, during mm. the season. It's, uh, but yeah, I think, I think the shoes issue as well should be, should be looked at is, you know, if it is, if it is a certain shoe or if it's just everyone. So. Well, if they need new shoes, Sean, all they need to do is go to Hoop 7 and they'll, they'll get everything that they need. And thanks to Hoop 7, um, it's time for your player of the year votes for round five, Sean. Have you got those handy? Do you want to start with your, your one vote for, for the past week? Well, one vote, and I think it was it was tough because you had a lot of teams that you know got one win, got yep. one loss. Yep. Um, you know, and we tried to, I guess, really give these guys winning is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. But um, my one vote goes to John Mooney. I think you know he had a great um, great week, double double each of the games, and had a great start to the year. So. Um, for him, I think he gets he gets one vote for this week. Um, my two votes is going to go with Casper Ware. I thought mm-hmm. he you know he played outstanding. Probably unlucky not to get that second win, and maybe we would have got to the into uh, a four or five vote. But I thought Casper Ware was was really good and really stepping up and, and, and taking his game after probably a slow start to the year. He's uh, he's starting to play at the level that um, that we're accustomed to. Um, Kiefer Sykes gets three votes. Um, I thought he played well on both sides of the of the ball. Um, obviously, his, his first game was a little bit quiet, but then he came out and responded um, extremely well. Tyler Harvey gets four votes, and uh, you know that deep three hit against Sydney. I mean, that mm-hmm. was just uh, you know one of those you look back and you shake your head. I mean, just the confidence to take that shot and then also to make it was uh, was impressive. And then Isaac Humphreys. Um, I mean, the guy is just a blocking machine. Six blocks mm-hmm. in one game. Um, he's uh, going to be leading after this round. So uh, Isaac mm-hmm. Humphrey gets five votes. Yeah, no, I think you're pretty much on the money, Sean. I've got no complaints there. But it means we've got a pretty fascinating leaderboard on the Hoop 7 Player of the Year award as we now head into the NBL Cup. And with the at least, you know, eight or ten games every round, during during those rounds, it's going to be fascinating how the voting pans out. But right now, the leaderboard, as you said, Isaac Humphrey's out on front on 15. Tyler Harvey's on 13. Then we've got a big gap. Next up, we've got, we got a few players on five. So we've got Casper Ware on five, Justin Simon on five, Scott Machado on five, Jock Landale on five. But are you pretty happy with that? Do you think Humphrey's and Harvey have been the, the two standouts so far this, this season? Yeah, I do think so. I think... Um, I think- you know, overall and the way they played. And 
you know, both their teams are at the towards the top of the of the standings as well, which is something that we want to try and, and emphasize. So, uh, you know, but look at the next the NBL Cup coming up. I think we'll start to really kind of see who's serious about MVP contention after the NBL Cup. All these games played in in quick succession is going to be exciting, but uh, should give us a little bit better idea of who's going to be our player of the year. Absolutely. So thanks to Hoops Heaven for bringing that player of the year update to us. Head to hoopsheaven.com.au for for more from them. The best basketball store in Australia, as I keep saying, Sean. And, and I would say that even if they didn't support us here on the show. I think it's I think it's fantastic. If you're in Perth, you can check them out on Murray Street. So let's take a deep breath, Sean. When we come back, we'll go through the the, the results from round five. And obviously later on in the show, we'll, we'll hear from Damian Martin for his boomerang Best Defensive Player Award. We'll have the Tap Touch preview with Matty Knighton. Then we'll be back to wrap up the show. Okay, continuing on here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle. And, of course, I'm with the legendary scoring machine, Sean Redditch. So what we saw in Round 5 from the NBL... Sean, after we, we started the show last Thursday night, we saw the first of the interesting doubleheaders, the Perth Wildcats, big winners over the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix on Thursday, 106 to 75. Then Friday night, the Sydney Kings, 84, beat the New Zealand Breakers, 74. Saturday, again, another one of these fascinating doubleheaders started with the Adelaide 36ers winning their first road game of the season, 85 to 70. We had a couple of games on the Sunday. Started with a thriller. This was a great game. The Illawarra Hawks beat the Sydney Kings 85-82. to And then, I think it was a 56-point turnaround for the Phoenix. They beat the Wildcats 96-71. to And then Monday night, I think it was a 34-point turnaround for the Brisbane Bullets as they went to Adelaide and beat the 36ers 93-74. to A lot to digest there, Sean, but what, what sticks, out, sticks out about what we saw in, in Round 5? Well, I think one of the interesting ones that, you know, as I was watching that Sydney Kings-Illawarra-Hawks game, and Vasilovic was having a great game. And then with about five minutes to go, he took a quick sub. I think he had a bad turnover where he kind of threw yeah. the ball away. And I think Coach Adam Ford kind of thought he needed a bit of a rest, but then didn't get back in. Um, till uh, maybe the very last play where they need, needed to score. So I thought that was an interesting moment in in there where possibly Vasilovic pairing him up with Casper Ware. Those two guys really need to be able to score because they had Martin was out. Um, yep. They had Hunter had already fouled out. So they hadn't had to go to small ball. Well, Craig Bowler um, was playing the five five spot for most of that last quarter. Yeah, so I think it was an interesting one. I think Vasilovic is one of those guys you kind of want. He, he's, he reminds me of that just big shot player that just mm. wants that ball in, in the crunch moments. Um, and we've seen Casper Ware probably miss a couple clutch shots down the end. But I think Vasilovic is going to have to be one of those uh, kind of the Robin to Casper Ware's Batman. Yeah. And uh, so I think, you know, it's probably a learning process there for the Sydney Kings. But I think Vasilovic, let's look to him to kind of be maybe the closer that the Sydney Kings need 
at times down the stretch. And, and possibly if he had been in that game, they might have got the win. Who knows? I think, you know, Forty wanted to go with more of a defensive lineup. And Pasilovic yeah. is probably – it's not his best strength. But I still think that, you know, having him out there on the court next to Casper Ware down when the game's on the line is, is going to be where the Sydney Kings want to be. I think you make a great point. Watching that game – over the last few possessions for the Kings, Casper Ware, he refused to give up the ball. So he had Craig Muller open a couple of times, but didn't have the faith in him to pass it. So then Brian Gorgian called for the double team, and one of those was Justin Simon, and Justin Simon's defense late in that game was incredible. He forced Casper into two turnovers. One of them was a jump ball where the possession arrow went towards the Hawks. But I think you're right. If Vasilovic was out on the court, Casper's got that second scorer to pass it to. He didn't have any faith in anyone else on the team to pass the ball up to and it led to two turnovers, which probably cost them a chance to win the game. Yeah, and I think Vasilovic, uh, you know, obviously he's young, his first year in the league, but, um, you know, we talked about him being rookie of the year and he's putting up a great case, 17 points in the first game, 18 points in the in the second game and uh, been a, you know, a, a great signing by the Sydney Kings and I think they'll utilize him even more as the season goes on. Yeah, absolutely. So... Yeah, it was a fascinating round five. And, and just quickly running through the ladder as we now head towards the NBL Cup, Sean. We've got Melbourne United undefeated 6-0. and The Allura Hawks are 5-2. and And then we've got the Adelaide 36ers, the only other team above 500 at 5-4. and Then we've got the South East Melbourne Phoenix 4-4. Four and four, Sydney Kings 3-4. and four, Brisbane Bullets 3-4. and four, The Perth Wildcats 2-3. and three, The Cairns Taipans 2-6. and six, New Zealand Breakers 1-4. and four. Um it's fascinating that we've got such an even spread. You take out the breakers at the bottom, Melbourne on top, there's really not much between everyone, is there? No, and that's where the, you know, when you design a league, that's how you want it to happen. You want, you know, you maybe you have an, a one outstanding team, but everyone else is kind of right there in the pack. And, and Melbourne, you know, as great as they've started, they haven't been blowing teams out. And they, uh, you know, I think they will pick up a, a few losses in this NBL Cup. So they'll come back to the field a little bit, especially missing some key players. But it's a uh, it, it's a quality league, you know. And we talk about this. you got guys like Brokoff coming back from the NBA, mm-hmm. coming to the NBL is a, a great song. And you're just seeing the quality of players that are out there. It's it's a fun fun league to watch because most mm. games come down to that wire and when they do that's you know that's what the fans love they want to see a close game a battle and your team has to play well to get a win absolutely well absolutely you do if you have an off night as we've seen you can if you have a big win you can have a big loss the next the next time you you play the same opponent so it's a fascinating league to follow the nbl cup will be fascinating but we wouldn't have a great league without the great defenders so when we come back here on hoops heaven's basketball hustle we'll We'll be joined by the best defender of all time, Damian Martin. Now, of course, the Damo Award is proudly brought to you by Boomerang. Quite simply, it's the leading supplier of in-ground and attached basketball ring systems and associated products in all of Australia. Their, their basketball systems are state-of-the-art. They are first class. They'll come and install them in, in your home, in your school, in your recreation area, recreation centre, your whatever, wherever you are, 
we'll be able to come and set up your basketball ring system. But not only that, if you're like me, your backyard's not exactly perfect for to play basketball on. You've got, got some lawn out there, you've got some uneven ground, and you've got some paving in the way. So flooring and custom flooring is where Bremerin can really make you stand out. So it's one thing to have your basketball ring, but you need some somewhere you can can run and jump and, and dribble the ball on. And the custom flooring provided by Boomerang is really first class. The cushioning under your feet will feel like you're just on a basketball court, if not even better than a professional basketball court. It's professional. It is, it is just first class, but also it'll just give you that firm footing. And you can also customise how it looks. Any, any court linings you like, any, any, any sort of graphics you like, Boomerang will take care of it all. So Boomerang, great supporters here of ours on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle and, and they'll bring you, once again, the Damo Award. And now, let's get stuck into it with the legend himself, Damien Martin. Okay, I'm with Damien Martin. We're here thanks to Boomerang. Now, before we get to the defensive efforts of all this past week, Damo, it's a good chance to kind of take stock. We're five rounds into the season. We're now heading into the NBL Cup. What have you made of the start of the season? What things have stood out to you so far? Uh, look, the quality, to be honest. I think a lot of people had a few doubts when the NBL, obviously, the players are going to take pay cuts. We're going to go from three imports to two. And you, you throw those things into it, into the equation. You think, how are we going to retain these players? So, you know, initially you had Bryce Cotton opt out. Obviously, Nick Kay's going to Europe. You know, there was talk of players like Mitch McCarron, Nathan Sobey, you know, losing all the quality Australians to European leagues. Instead, with the exception of Nick, you know, we, we lost Reese Vague to Japan. With the exception of a couple of players, the NBA has done really well to keep the current talent. But then you look at guys that have come into the league. You know, you just got to mention Illawarra, just, not just from a playing perspective, but also coaching, like mm-hmm. to bring Brian Gorgian back. And then some incredible imports. You know, Jessup as a next, uh, next-gen next player. Uh, Keeper Sykes with South East. You can just go through the whole list. Melbourne being able to bring back, you know, possibly a boom well I believe we will make the boomer squad for, for the Olympics you're going to have that combination with Goulding as well so you know players you expect to go to the NBA of Europe are now coming over to the NBL and you know Jack White coming back mm-hmm. from Duke College a plethora of talent across the board. And so, you know, it's a lot easier for me as a spectator to have my, my thoughts. But even players are saying somehow the league has gone to another level yeah. again. And watching it out there, I, I genuinely believe it, even though we've only got two imports instead of three. Now, Ryan Brokoff is a former Boomers teammate of yours. <laughs> How excited are you that he's coming to play in the NBL? Oh, Ryan Brokoff is one of my favourite players. Yeah. I remember after a camp right before... The World Cup team was selected, I think it may have been. No, it was right before Rio Olympic, uh, sorry, not Rio, London Olympic team was selected. And he'd only just joined the group, but the camp he put on in Melbourne, he was incredible. Now, by the last election camp, you know, 9, 10, 11 of the 12 spots are already, you know, kind of put, in, put on the paper. But had he been involved for two or three camps prior to that, he was a you know, a chance of making it. And I just remember at that point chatting with his mum in the stands going, oh, don't worry if your son's going to be in the NBA one day. Yeah. And, and he was. Yeah, he, he was and he'll probably get back there. And he's just one of those guys that he will play 38 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. He rebounds well. He plays great defense. And he's going to be one of the best shooters in the league. And six 6'6", good luck trying to, you know, <laughs> contest his shot from outside the perimeter. So they've gone from, you know, a kind of hovering on that fourth, fifth, sixth place, southeast. So they're a legitimate, you know, contender now with the lineup they've got. Um, Now, before we get to your votes in the Demo Award this week, thanks to Boomerang, I'm really excited about some of the defense we're seeing this season. I think for the first time we've got 
so many genuine, terrific defenders. We've got a couple of big guys, and that's what's most exciting. Isaac Humphreys and John Mooney are the two standouts. It's so good to see big guys actually attacking their defense and wanting to block shots and wanting to make it make an impact. And then you've got someone like Sunday Detch who can just play lockdown defense, and some of the steals he pulls off is amazing. Justin Simon, I think he almost won the game single-handedly, apart from what Tyler Harvey was doing. But with his defense late in that game against the Sydney Kings, some of his turnovers that he forced on Casper Ware were amazing. The defense for a little fella of Kiefer Sykes is is incredible. I mean, we've just got so many great defenders right now. It's It's great to see. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> I almost feel bad because with that Illawarra Sydney game, I watched and I was like, yep, there's my three votes right there. <laughs> and then I watched a few more games of the week and I'm like, oh, how do I get, make this happen? Mm-hmm. So uh, I, I do feel bad because he went from getting three votes, as you said, that defense he had on Casper, then Casper hit some big ones. Look, there is a lot of guys out there that you could say that you know, the, the best defender right now, and it's hard to have an argument against it because there's four or five, sorry, sorry, four or five guys you can make an argument mm-hmm. for being the best defender right now. You know, Humphreys, I know we had Kev Lish, one defensive player of the year, I believe, and MVP. Yep. Andrew Bogut did it a few years ago. There's a good chance, you know, if Isaac Humphreys keeps up what he's doing right now, he could win both this year yeah. after leaving the NBL for a couple of seasons. So what he's doing at both ends, blocking shots, putting the ball through the basket, that combination of he and DJ, I just absolutely love it. And they're the best big combination in the league. Yeah, absolutely. Um, as we just spoke about with Sean, Isaac is leading the Player of the Year award and he's right, certainly right up there in, in your Best Defensive Player award as well. So let's go to the votes for round five, Damo. And as you, as you said, Justin Simon might might be a little bit unlucky, but when you have a look at the three guys you've picked, it's tough to make an argument against them. Why don't we start with your one vote? Yeah, I do. And to be honest, Justin Simon probably does belong in here this week. Uh, I do feel bad to an extent. But hey, I've gone one vote to, to Mooney. What John Mooney's doing with the Wildcats, I believe, I think it's the first time I've given him a vote. But yep. each week, I mean, he's missed a double-double. Some people, I think, underestimate how hard it is to get a rebound mm. in the NBL, let alone average over 10. And for this guy, he battles on the block. He makes it hard for the opposition big man he's defending to even get the ball. And then he plays straight up defense. Now, he's not one of those guys that, you know, gets 15 or 20, you know, touches on the ball, steals, you know, game-winning plays. But he's just consistent. And I just love that every time it's a battle, you know, we're going to get from him. So, Mr. Double-Double, I've gone ahead and given him one vote. He was the, the shining light in, a obviously, a, a bad loss mm. Uh, back-to-back games against South East to win by 31 and a few nights later lose by 25. But John Mooney was great in both games, even with the loss. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Now, your two votes, I just love watching this guy. This guy played both ends, but the defense he plays, he he reminds me a lot of you, Damo. He, he, I should have, I am biased. He is my best, my favorite defender mm. uh, to watch because not only does he apply the ball pressure, but he does the little things that instantly make you a good, good defender. And so I tell juniors all the time, you can... Be an like a good defender straight away if you're willing to be in a stance, keep your hands above your waist, and and trying to get deflections. Whether you're on the ball or off the ball, communicate and jump to the ball when you're one or two passes away. And just those little things you get caught from a junior, taught from a junior. Like maybe do one of them where you're in a stance, maybe you two where you're in a stance and you keep your hands up. But he does all four of those things: communication, in a stance, hands above your waist, jumping to the ball, and then his actual ability to apply pressure when on the ball is brilliant. What sets him apart, though, and why he's a game-changing type of defender is he then backs himself to go and make plays off the ball. So he's got that green light. Just as a Bryce Cotton has the green light to pull up and hit a three in transition, 
Sunday has that green light from Connor Henry to go and make plays off the ball, even if it means leaving the best perimeter player to go and make a play on the ball in the low post on a big. And he, he reads the ball well. He knows the game well. He knows the opposition's favorite players, um, what their moves are. So he knows someone's going to spin and he'll be there to pick him. He knows that on a rebound, they might bring it down just for half a second. He's always trying to poke it away. And so, yeah, again, like all season, Sunday was brilliant at the defensive end. And <laughs> I say that as my favorite play of the weekend was Sobey crossing him up going down the lane for a huge one hand mm. slam. <laughs> but when, when you're picking up at half court, applying pressure, you know, things like that are occasionally going to happen. So two two votes this week go to Sunday. Yeah, I think even you got dunked on occasionally like that demo. So it happens to the best of them. <laughs> that's right, that's right. If you put yourself out there, you get embarrassed a few times and that certainly happens. Now, the three votes. Oh, oh, gee, this guy's had a massive impact on the southeast Melbourne Phoenix. He's, he's dynamic offensively, but how good is it, to, <laughs> is it to see someone so talented offensively actually take their defense so seriously? I think you're looking at what they've played each other four times, Perth mm. <laughs> and Southeast. They've got one more to go during the NBL Cup, but I think they'll be, you know, be glad not to have to see each other. <laughs> yeah. But you're possibly looking at two of the fittest guys in the NBL, two guys that play at both ends of the court, and two of the most talented guys in the NBL. So I've loved watching uh, the Keeper Sykes Bryce Cotton matchup. Now, I still believe Bryce is the best player in the league, but what Keeper's been able to do is stay in front of him, and not many players can do that. And so every time Bryce scores, don't get me wrong, you know, Bryce is dropping 20 plus in game one, and goes for about 15 in, in game two, but they're all contested, and it's, and it's over, you know, a hand as opposed to getting on the ring for some easy layups, you know, getting to the free throw line because he's so quick and so hard to guard that he usually gets 10 points from the free throw line. With Sykes on him, he's done a great job of making it one hard to catch the ball uh, initially and then two staying in front of him so absolutely incredible in game two at both ends of the court uh, but just the way he gets after it defensively is why I'm giving him three points this week I thought he was brilliant yeah uh, completely agree and that means on our leaderboard thanks to Boomerang on the Demo Award we've got Sunday Detch now on top with five votes Kiefer Sykes on four and then Isaac Humphreys three Ben Moore three Justin Simon two Cam Oliver two Yudai Bubba two um it's going to be fascinating to follow this demo. I'm sure even you're looking forward to seeing who ends up coming out on top by the end of the season. I am. I actually, until you tell me what the leaderboard is, I, I'm trying to stay away from it so I can just focus on giving yep. votes and, and try not being put off. When I hear that Justin Simon's only on two, yet if it actually was announced, say, the Defensive Player of the Year, it'd probably go to him. I'm like, oh, wow, I need to probably start paying more attention to the Warrior game. So, look, that's the calibre of, of defenders we've got out there this season. Uh, no surprise that Sunday's up there. But, yeah, I'm pumped to hear all those names. Some are mm. fresh to the NBL, some are returning, but I think they're deserving of being on that leaderboard. Now, we've got the NBL Cup now coming up starting this week. You're looking forward to it, and how do you think you would have handled it as a player? It's tough, especially when you're the captain of the club. So Jesse and Norto, as captain and vice-captain, they have a huge task ahead of them because their behaviours are contagious. And it is easy in this environment because they're going on a couple of months living in some type of hub. Now, mm-hmm. don't get me wrong, people might be saying, oh, the cup's only just about to start. But the hub, they had rules and regulations yeah. while they were still in Perth. You know, Jesse couldn't go to his daughter's you know, preschool graduation. He couldn't be around large crowds only an hour outside of the house outside of training. So they've been living in this environment for a long time and it gets stricter now that they're going mm-hmm. into Melbourne. And so there's that mental side of it that if, if Jesse or Bryce is a you know natural leader um, or Norto, if they start showing signs of mental fatigue or, or frustration or anger, that can carry over to training and, in, and then into games. So it's a trying time for every single club. 
Uh, but leaders in particular are going to be tested, in particular the teams that aren't, you know, southeast Melbourne or, or Melbourne United because they can go home to their house. So, yeah, it's, it's a big couple of weeks coming up in saying that purely as a basketball fan and spectator, I love that I'll be able to flick on my TV and most days there's going to be a game on. So I, I love the concept. Yeah. I love the initiative by the league and, and I just can't wait to be able to watch basketball uh, most days of the week. And, you know, obviously I wear my Wildcats uh, <laughs> The love on my heart, but the reality is I watch every single game now and I'm enjoying mm. what I see. Oh, fantastic. Now, just quickly before I let you go, did you try to help out coaching with the Wildcats on the weekend and did your advice <laughs> not, not quite get picked up? <laughs> it's safe to say that I caught up with Cam Tovey, who I was teammates with in mm. that 2009-10 uh, championship. Great guy. And then Dave Philpott, who was the physio for my whole you know 11 years at the Wildcats. So the three of us got together to watch the Wildcats versus South East Melbourne game, game the, the second game of the doubleheader. And yeah, the, oh, three guys, three three has-beens, all, <laughs> all thinking we've got, we, we know a bit about basketball. So sure enough, I got caught up in the moment and, and started texting our assistant coach. And sure enough, he ignored all of it. The only <laughs> response I got from uh, from the assistant coach was after the game, after I lost by 25 and just one word, four letters and that was it and it's said enough. So uh, <laughs> I think I think he was feeling the pain and I don't think I'll be offering my advice because I know how capable the coaches are. They don't need me uh, <laughs> deciding to share what I think they should be doing. <laughs> <laughs> well, it actually makes me think of one more thing I wanted to ask. How do you think Adam Ford's going to enjoy coaching up against Trevor Gleeson this week? Oh, he will love it. He will absolutely love it. 40 is super competitive. You know, the, the thing that they have, they probably have more in common than either of them know. Mm. At the end of the day, they genuinely care for their players. They love to win and they don't take any shortcuts. And so, the th- you know, those three things that take you a long way when you then include, you know, high basketball IQ, which they both have as well. So they're going to love it. You know, obviously, Forty's a Perth boy, won some championships as an assistant to Trev, and now to be a head coach on the other side of the country. Don't get me wrong, it, it doesn't matter, you know, whether they're best friends off the court, they both want to win on it. Uh, so, yeah, he's going to do whatever it takes to make sure his Kings boys are ready to go. All right, that's one thing to look forward to in the opening week of the NBL Cup, but we most are looking forward to seeing who can stand out in the Damo Award, thanks to Boomerang with you, Damien Martin. Thanks for joining me once again, and we'll be back again next week. Sounds good. Thanks again, Boomerang. Thanks, Bikey. Okay, back here on Hoops Heaven's Basketball Hustle and joined by Matty Knight once again for our Tab Touch preview and got a lot to get through now, Matty. Now that the NBL NBL Cup is here and every day that there's games played, we've got we've got a double header, so there's plenty to get through. Um, before we get into the games, what do you think of the whole NBL Cup idea? If you were a player and you had to go to Melbourne for a month and and play eight games in in that time, how would have you? How do you think you would have would have found it? Uh, it's a tough one. When you're younger, it's probably uh, ideal. But um, if you've got family at home, it's pretty tough to go on the road. It's always tough to go on the road for a week, especially mm. leaving young kids home. Um, to go for a month, that it's a long time, but I can understand why the NBL is doing it, trying to get as many games in as possible. But um, yeah, I imagine it'll be pretty tough for those that are leaving partners and young kids at home. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, later in your career, you were... You were a dad. When you would go on a road trip for, for even a week or even a few days, do you find that you miss your kids? Do you find that you miss a lot when you're when you're away from them? Oh, definitely, especially when they're so young. Yeah. Um, 
you miss milestones like crawling, walking, things like that. It's, it's um, unfortunately you miss out on because you're on the road, but mm. it is your job. But um, yeah, no, it's definitely tough, especially leaving um, leaving them at home. They don't understand what why you're leaving. Um, so, well, uh, thankfully you got like the FaceTime and all that, so you can still stay in contact, yeah. talk to them. But you know, I always struggled when I had to leave for a road trip, even if it was for three days. Mm. It's still a long time to be away from your kids, especially when they're at a young age. Yeah. Um, the fact that this tournament now, the wins and losses in this NBL Cup count towards your record in the normal NBL season, but it's also a separate tournament where you're playing you're playing to win the NBL Cup and you're playing to win $300,000 for your team if you win. Um, do you like that it's, it's its own mini tournament, but it also counts towards the normal season? Do you, do you like that part of it? Uh, yes and no. Mm. Um, obviously, for the Melbourne team, it's a huge advantage. Sure. You're at home. You're at home for a month, and now that they've come out of lockdown, crowds are allowed back, so they're going to have advantage all game every time they step on court at home. Mm. And for the other teams, well, when you're playing each other, then the atmosphere isn't going to be as good. But hey, you get to play eight games in 23 days. It's a lot less training as a yeah. Play, you want to be playing games instead of training, so that's a positive. But um, when I was in Hungary, we had the Hungarian Cup, mm-hmm. which was separate to the Hungarian League. So um, if you won, you went through. If you lost, you're out. And win and lost didn't count towards your Hungarian season record. So yeah, okay. I can see both sides to it. But, um, yeah, you wouldn't want to start losing games now, considering it does count towards your um, records. But um, apart from the Melbourne teams, even playing field, yeah, you know, I just imagine teams are going to miss playing in front of the home fans. Is there, a, is there a team that stands out? Is there someone you think's the favourite going to this to come away with that $300,000? Do you think the Melbourne teams maybe go in with a with a big edge just because they're at home? Yeah, Melbourne United definitely. Mm. Um, it gives Chris a chance to get back. I'm yeah. not sure when he's back, but um, being in Melbourne for a month, plenty of times of rehab. You don't have to worry about road trips mm-hmm. or whatnot. The team being away, um, southeast. Depending when Ryan is clear yeah. to play, um, it's a massive boost for them. They're staying close and good basketball, and you throw uh, Ryan Brokoff <laughs> in there. Yeah. That takes them to another level. And then outside of the Melbourne team, if you're looking at the Hawks, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they're, they're playing some good basketball. Um, and they've been on the road for a while. Obviously, got back to Illawarra last week, but they're road tested now. And, yep. you know, I imagine they're going with a lot of confidence as well. But they're probably the three teams that I'll be looking at to take out the prize. Yeah, I, I think you're, you're pretty much on the money there, Matty. Um, let's start to get into the games because we've got a lot of games to get through. And it's going to be tough to make some of the predictions for the later games in the round because a lot, as you know, depends on how you go in, in the first game that you play. So it all gets underway Saturday. And the first game we see is the Cairns Taipans playing their first game in two weeks now after their trip to Melbourne last week was cancelled and they play the Illawarra Hawks. Yeah, no, I feel the Hawks will be too strong. Obviously, Cairns having a two-week break is probably not ideal either. Mm. After they got a win after losing six or seven on the straight. So to get that win, then you've got to wait two weeks yeah. to play again. I feel like you lose that momentum and... The Hawks had a good win last week, so I feel like uh, they'll be too strong for Cairns. Yeah, Tap Touch agrees. So we've got the Taipans $2.30 at 
and the Hawks favourite at $1.61. Now, the second game on Saturday, Melbourne United against the Perth Wildcats. So I've got Melbourne favourites, $1.50, the Wildcats, $2.60. Yeah, I can understand why Melbourne are favourites. Mm. Um, Perth had a bit of up and down last week, obviously winning the first game mm. by 30-odd, then turn around you lose by 25. <laughs> A 55-point turnaround, and um, I know Trev has had a go at a few of the boys and said it's unacceptable to come out and play that way. But obviously you got Clint Steindle out, Todd Blanchfield under a fitness cloud. Yeah. Um, if them two don't play, I don't think Perth have the depth at all to cover that. And Melbourne will be way too strong at home with the crowd now mm-hmm. as well, so... Uh, I don't think this will be a close game at all. No, and they're fresh too. Like like, like Cairns, they had their game cancelled last week, so they haven't played for a while. So that should only only help them as well. Um, now, the first game on Sunday, South East Melbourne Phoenix up against the Brisbane Bullets. We've got the Phoenix $1.50 on tab touch. The Bullets $2.60. Yeah. Well, both teams had an interesting weekend. <laughs> um, obviously, South East lose by 30, then turn around and win by 25. Mm-hmm. and. Brisbane lost at home when they probably thought they would be Adelaide and then go to Adelaide and beat uh, Adelaide and Adelaide. Yeah. So I'm not sure which team's going to show off in the day, but with South East at home, you'd think they'd be uh, too strong for Melbourne. I mean, Brisbane, sorry. Yeah. I think so. And then second up on Sunday, we've got the Sydney Kings and the Adelaide 36ers. So Sydney slight favourites on Tap Touch, 172, the 36ers, $2.12. Yeah, this is this will be another interesting one. Um, Sydney is starting to play some good basketball, and um, they'll be due to get some of their players back soon. You'd imagine. Yep. So, but um, yeah, with Adelaide, they go on the road and win in Brisbane, come back home forty-eight hours later, and then end up losing yeah. quite convincingly. So, once again, it's not sure what Adelaide team will show up. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd imagine Isaac Humphries will be in for a big game again. He's having a fantastic season and. Especially with Jarrell Martin out too. Um, Sydney don't have a lot of big guys, so I'm actually thinking Adelaide will get over the line in this with Isaac having a huge game. Yeah, I think especially if Jarrell Martin's out, that could be could be the difference. I think you're right. Um, and Monday, first up, we've got the Illawarra Hawks, and for the first time in the NBA Cup, the New Zealand Breakers. Yeah, no. well, New Zealand, they can't catch a trick right no. now. Um, feels like they're playing once every two weeks. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I think Illawarra we too strong. they just got too many weapons right now. Gore just got them playing really good basketball. And I think after, if they get the win on uh, Saturday, they'll go in a lot more confident well. And mm. New Zealand, I think, being on the road for that amount of time, it's starting to take effect. They can't get string consecutive games together. Yeah. So... Trying to get that team chemistry is going to be, take a lot longer than they probably anticipated, but I think the Hawks will be way too strong. Yep, yeah, I think so. Now, this one's an interesting one, the second one on Monday. They were meant to play last week in Bendigo, but it didn't happen. So we've got Melbourne United and the and the Cairns Taipans. Yeah, no, I think um, Melbourne's way too strong. Don't have to travel. And the same thing, home court. It's just it's a massive advantage, and I think... They've just got too much depth right now, Melbourne. You lose Chris Gould and Shay Ely, and yet it's like they haven't lost a no, beat. No. So, Jack White, he's been fantastic. Yeah. Obviously, he had a great career at Duke, but he's come on. He's playing some great basketball. So, I just think Melbourne's just got too much depth, mm. and they should get a 
convincing win against the Taipans. Then first up on Tuesday, grand final rematch for the first time. You got the Sydney Kings and the and the Perth Wildcats. Yeah, it's been an interesting one. Um, two different teams looking from last year, that's for sure. Yeah. The injuries, Perth rosters change. Um, it'll be interesting, but you imagine Bryce will carry uh, Perth over the line. I feel mm-hmm. like I know Cass was going to be out to prove all those doubters wrong, especially after the grand final series he had. Mm-hmm. 40 coaching against yeah. the Wildcats for the first time. Um, it'll be a close game, I think. But, um, yeah, I think Perth will be too strong in the end. Then mm. last up, we've got the 36ers up against the, the South East Melbourne Phoenix. Yeah, this is another close game. You just don't know who, yeah. which team's going to show up in the day, especially with short turnarounds. We've seen that um, teams bounce back quick while teams that, Get the winner, struggle to back it up again. So, but I think South East Melbourne, um, they're starting to play some great basketball as a team. And I feel like being in Melbourne again, they're just going to be too strong. Mm. Then we'll have one day off on Wednesday, Maddie, and then we'll be back into it again on Thursday. So it's it's going to be a, a feast of, of basketball. So if you if you love your NBL hoops, this is the this is the time to get out and watch it all. Um, and of course, Maddie, you went ever so close on your and your multi touch last week. You got your first two leaks right, and then, and then it was the. I thought it was my the certainty that you was down. the one that turned you, and then that was the one that didn't work. <laughs> I was not happy with Brisbane. No. Let me tell you, I spoke to a few people and said they couldn't believe it as well. And you were probably even un- even more unhappy two days later when Brisbane then went to Adelaide and won because you would think that the game they were going to win was the the home game. Exactly. Like I had um, previous two, I thought were the long odds, yep. but then. They both came through, and then my certainty, I thought, oh, definitely, but the ones that ended up letting me down, so I was very devastated. No, yeah, I know, and you were so close, and and um, because of everything that happened last week in Melbourne, the the odds got taken down on on Friday, so Sean actually never got to got to make his bet last week, so you, it was a real chance for you to to go way ahead and. You, you, I know, you, I can so believe close. it. I not believe it. No, so we'll we'll have that again, ready for. Ready for Friday on on Tab Touch. So check out the social medias, and we'll we'll see how we go this week, Maddie. But uh, really enjoyed your insights once again, and we look forward to seeing these eight games over the next four days once we, we get up and running. Yeah, it's definitely good for the NBL. Not a lot of sports on right now, mm. so yeah, it's a good chance to promote the game, and um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of people tuning in, uh, especially considering six or eight teams will be. Uh, on the road, so a lot yeah. of fans won't get to see them live, so they'll be uh, tuning on the TV, that's for sure. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us again, Matty. Thanks, mate. Okay, back on Hoop 7's Basketball Hustle, and hope you enjoyed those insights and, and thoughts on the NBL Cup. Coming to you starting on Saturday, thanks to Maddie Knight and Tap Touch, and Damien Martin, obviously always fascinating to hear from with his boomerang best defensive player award update. But now it's back with the scoring machine, Sean Redditch, and let's go through your tip for the opening round of the NBL Cup, Sean. It starts on Saturday. We've got the Taipans up against the Hawks. It's a it's an important game for the, for the Taipans because if they go to two and seven, and then they've got Melbourne next up, it's a lot of pressure on them. Yeah, well, uh, so I'm going to go through my tips here. Um, yeah, go for it. And they might surprise you, Mikey. 
Um, so first one up is I have the Taipans beating the Hawks. Okay. Um, there's a bit of a desperation there. They know they've got to get some some wins in this NBL Cup. I think they're going to come in focused, and uh, we know what they're they're capable of. They just haven't shown it on a consistent basis. But I got the Taipans and the Wildcats both winning on Saturday. So um, wow. it's going to be uh, upset city Saturday. But mm. that's who that's who I'm predicting. Both those teams need some wins, and uh, you know I, I've no doubt. We talked about the coaches being able to make adjustments. You know, they they got two great coaches there, and they're going to be able to make those adjustments. I got those two teams with the win on Saturday. Now, are you willing to put your your money where the, your mouth is and try to put turn that into some money for for Lifeline WA thanks to Tap Touch? I think so. You you have to look at uh, our, our tips, but uh, I think Taipans and Wildcats are going to be uh, definitely in there in the mix, and so it's uh, one to look at. Fascinating, Sean. So we'll keep following that. What about Sunday? Phoenix against the Bullets, and then we've got the Kings and the 36ers. Yeah, I've got the Phoenix, and I've got the Kings there. Um, you know, I think both those teams, uh, you know, th- those aren't those are going to be tough games, but I think the Phoenix, the way they played against the Wildcats, and I think the Kings are uh, probably unlucky not to get that win um, against the Hawks, but I, yeah. I think they'll, they'll back it up and get a win versus the 36ers. Okay, two more on Monday. We've got the Hawks. And the Breakers, the Breakers' first game of the NBA Cup. Yeah, I think the Hawks will be able to bounce back from my prediction of a loss against the Taipans. So we got the Hawks, and then I got United beating the Taipans there. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, I think both those teams will be able to respond from my prediction of a loss on Saturday and be able to get a win on the Monday to get their win started on the NBA Cup. And then on Tuesday, Kings and the Wildcats in a grand final rematch, and then the 36ers and, and the Phoenix. So I've got the Wildcats and the 36ers on Tuesday. Um, I think, you know, Kings and the Wildcats, obviously those coaches know each other very well, but I, I think you're going to start to see the Wildcats kind of figure out how to play with Bryce Cotton and Mooney and get the other stars involved. Blanchfield's been up and down. We haven't seen Stondel. We know he's still injured to the level that he's capable of, but I, I think we'll see Blanchfield play with a lot more confidence and authority. And if they can get him going, it's going to uh, make it tough for uh, for teams to beat the Wildcats. Mm, you're right. Some interesting tips there, but I think we're going to see a lot of fascinating results during this NBL Cup. But, you know, pretty much a, an even playing field for, for everybody. And, and, yeah, there's a lot of pressure on some teams already, a lot of teams maybe not feeling as much pressure. So I think it'll be fascinating. Um, what are you most looking forward to? Firstly, do you like the idea of this NBL Cup? And what are you looking forward to to about it over the next month? Well, look, if I was a player, th- this is my dream mm. as, a, as a schedule, right? Not a lot of trainings. Let's just go out and let's play, all right? So mm-hmm. I've got a game on Saturday. i got a game on Tuesday. Wait, get a day off on Wednesday, and then we just start right back over. Yep. So, um, you know, I used to go and play in the offseason in Puerto Rico, and we play three, four games a week. You know, you might have a couple trainings that were more like shoot-arounds, pretty casual, just going through our tactics and, and maybe some new plays and new strategies, but nothing too strenuous because you're saving yourself for the game and, and just being able to compete. That's why, you, you know, you pick up a basketball for the first time. So I'd love to see the season condensed and play more games. I'm not sure that that'll happen, but that's why I love this initiative. I hope the Australian public get behind it. They're watching – you know, gets gets a basketball in in the minds and the homes of, of all Australians, and so um, it kind of be a start of something where 
you know, the NBL can get back to playing weekday games and playing a lot more games and just being at the forefront. They know it's basketball season. Basketball season's on. We got three months games, and we know it's going to be a game every night. I would love that. Mm, fantastic. There you go. At the endorsement of Sean Redditch, what more could you could you hope for? Um, I've enjoyed this show again, Sean. It's been another another packed one. I, I like the format that we've set it on now for this season, and obviously thanks to Tab Touch for making it possible and for bringing bringing the preview to, to you for another week and trying to raise some money for charity. We'll get off that zero at some point, Sean. And thanks to Boomerang for bringing us Damien Martin and the best defensive player. And, of course, thanks to Hoop7 for being our, our long, long-lasting long sponsors and supporters here on, on the show. Head to hoop7.com.au for more. I've enjoyed this show again, Sean. Hopefully everyone enjoyed listening to it. I'm Chris Pike, and I'll sign off and, and leave you with the wise words of, of the scoring machine. Yes, well, I mean, one of the things that's impressed me about Melbourne start, not only are they leading league in scoring, but they're just behind Perth in defense as well. So they're scoring 91 points and giving up 82. So to me, that's why they've put the better together the best team. They've got, you know, they've got defenders, they've got offensive players, and uh, been pretty impressive. I think they might pick up a few losses in the NBL Cup, but once they get their squad back, they're going to be a tough team to beat, the fact that they can defend and play offense.